Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world, or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing. For change, in all the bad times, I fear myself. and happy Easter. Thank you for celebrating with us uh, wherever you are at what will probably be, for most of us, our most memorable Easter ever. Coronavirus Easter, quarantine Easter, shelter in place Easter, stay at home Easter. But it's so cool, right, with technology that we're right now one church with thousands of rooms wherever you are right now. But I think this Easter is kind of an interesting picture of life in general, you know, in this pandemic, that it's great what we can do and all that with technology, but it's it's not the same as all being gathered together. That'll be great next Easter, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people all together in one place. That'll be awesome. 
And, and I think all of life's a little bit like that, a little bit diminished, a little bit smaller. And therefore, in all of us, a, a desire, a desire for more, a desire for just to go back to the way it was. That's one of the things I really love about this song that we just heard, Shallow. You know, actually, there's, there's several things I love about that song. Uh, I, I really do kind of like that part, the shahal, shallow, shallow, la, 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 la. I'll, I'll do that the rest of the day. Maybe you will too now. That'll be in your head. Uh, you can thank me later. But what I really love about that song is how it, how it pulls out that desire that, that we all have for more, to go from shallow to deep, from more to less, from one thing to something richer uh, than we experience. And, and I believe that's deeply ingrained in us because you and I were created by God for more. We were created for paradise. We were created for perfection. We live in a fallen, broken world where that was lost. And, and so we long for more. And I think we're feeling that now more than ever in this pandemic life, in a diminished life. In fact, the other day, um, I, I was thinking about that because I, I was walking through our living room and our TV was on just with the Amazon Fire Stick. And it was showing our iPhotos, you know, just rolling through our iPhotos, which are pictures of vacations as we're rafting or skiing or hiking or sailing or whatever we're doing. And, and I just stopped and watched all these things that we used to do, you know, that were so awesome and now can't do right now. And, and I just said out loud, I just kind of breathed a prayer. I just said, God, just, just make it all go back to normal. I can't wait till it goes back to normal. And in that moment, what I sensed coming back to me from God, just speaking into my spirit was, hey, what if normal isn't good enough? Like, what if there's something way more that God wants us to go back to than just normal? Um, And that's a great question to ask. In fact, I'll ask all of us, uh, what if after all this that we're going through, what if after all this, God has something way better than normal for us? What if he's up to something new? Uh, That brings me back to a conversation I had that was also very life-changing years ago. I was going through another kind of difficulty. It wasn't a pandemic. I was going through clinical depression. I was in my 20s and went through some months of that. And then the Deepest part of that darkness, I met with one of my spiritual mentors. Actually, the last time I ever got to spend with her, uh, you've heard me talk about her. If you're a Chase Oaker, her name is Miss Helen. She was in her 80s, godly woman. And I was I was just expressing where I was at in my darkness. And and I remember saying, Miss Helen, I just want to go back and be the same Jeff I was before. I just want to go back and and just be normal again. And I remember she's just a, a little she was just a little lady. I remember putting her finger in my face and saying, that is an evil thing to say. It's like evil. Like, why would you say that? And she said, Jeff, God, God hasn't allowed you to go through this darkness. God hasn't allowed you to go through this difficulty just so you could go and be the same Jeff again. God hasn't allowed you to do this just so you could be normal. God is doing this because he has something new for you. And that is where you can find him and where you can find the new. She was right. And I believe the same thing is true in what we're going through now. That as much as we may want to go back to normal, God has something way more profound than that. And that is that we can live more into the new that he came to bring us. In fact, that's what Easter is really all about. It's about newness. It's about the new thing that God was doing in this world uh, through Jesus as Jesus came into this planet. I mean, he came into this broken, dark, messed up planet 
invaded this planet with his presence. Jesus is God who took on human flesh and lived among us. And he died on the cross for sin to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. He was raised from the dead, showing that God was pleased with that penalty. But it's not just to forgive our sins. That's true. And that's important. So that we can go to heaven one day. It's also what God wants to do new in our life now. And so with that thought, maybe if you don't know if you know God or not, the thought of, hey, what would it mean to live into the new, to live into the more that God came to bring? Or for those of us who maybe do have a relationship with God, realizing we've only only had a taste of the new, the taste of the more that he wants us to, to bring. There's so much more. I want us to bring that into the Easter story. I want us to go back 2000 years to the first Easter story with that question that what if after all this, God is doing something new and has something more for us. So 2000 years ago, that first Easter, uh, his first followers, the 12 disciples uh, before that Easter Sunday, about three and a half years before that Easter Sunday, Jesus had had met with them and given them a major upgrade as he invited them to be one of his disciples. Uh, many of them were fishermen. And, and so there's this scene in which Jesus goes and they're fishing and, and he says, okay, so you guys are fishermen. That's cool. I like fish. Let's do a fish fry later. But, but if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It was a major upgrade of purpose. And they had no idea really what they were saying yes to. But somehow they had a thought that this was way worth it. This was way bigger. And it says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And sure enough, it was as they got to see all that Jesus did and the miracles and the teaching and all the incredible stuff. And they were riding high. I mean, they were living into way new, way more until that Friday when Jesus was crucified. And that threw them for a loop because they didn't see that coming. They should have because Jesus had talked about it. But I just think it was, it was almost impossible for them to consider how the one they came to believe was God in human flesh could die. And when he died, their hopes and dreams for what their life was going to be like died too. And, and so their plan that weekend was just to go back to life as normal, go back to fishing again. What else were they going to do? In fact, that weekend, that between Friday and Sunday, they were sheltering in place, too. They were quarantined, too, not out of fear of a virus, but fear of the authorities. But everything changed on Sunday when they saw that the tomb was empty and changed much more through the, the weeks to come. Jesus was on the planet for 40 days between his, his, his resurrection and his ascension, hanging with the disciples. And, and as he hung with them, he realized, no, Jesus was raised from the dead raises us up to new life, but he was also letting them know, hey guys, what, what you've experienced when I was on this planet with you for the last three and a half years, that's just a taste of what I came to bring you, the way of life, the way of transformation, the way of impact. Uh, you've just barely even tasted what I have for you because now I'm, I'm ascending, I'm going to heaven, I'm leaving the mission of God with you. I'm sending God, the Holy Spirit, to empower you to live this new life. And he even told him, you're going to do greater things than you saw me do. That God is going to do greater things through you. Not just through them, but all the followers in this thing called church that we're part of. And that's indeed what they began to experience. And what they began to live into is they began to live into the more. As they begin to live in the new. More power, more transformation, more love, more impact than they ever dreamed. And there's all these stories in the book of Acts that tells that story. But I'm just going to pick out one of them. And it's just it's a simple story, but a really profound one. So Peter and John, uh, two of Jesus's disciples, uh, were walking to the temple in the afternoon to pray. 
And on the way, they, they see this guy who's lame and who's begging. Now, he's not lame, you know, those of you teenagers, not in the same way your parents you think are lame or, or parents, your teenagers right now think you're lame. He couldn't walk. And, and so they were walking by, you know, walking right to him. And even two months before, before the resurrection, before they began to understand what it means to live into the new, uh, they would have just maybe thrown some change at him or walked past him. But now they're like, hey, you know, we can do something more than that. And that's indeed what happens. Here's in Acts uh, chapter three. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Nobody could believe it. As he's walking and jumping, he's amazed. The crowd is amazed. A whole bunch of people are attracted to this. In fact, we learned that hundreds and hundreds are I think John and Peter were as amazed as anybody. In fact, when the crowd gathers, they do this little talk where they say, hey, look, don't be amazed at us. This isn't about us. We didn't do this. This is about Jesus. You know, the one that you crucified. Well, God raised him from the dead because he's God. He's very much alive and he's at work today. This is by his power and by his name that all this is happening. And the passage lets us know that a couple of thousands, uh, 2000 people came to know Christ and, uh, and became part of the church and that Day and that afternoon and that moment is exciting. It was wonderful, but not everybody felt that way. Namely, the authorities in the temple, the religious leaders and religious authorities who weren't so excited about Christianity. They didn't know what to do. And so they arrested Peter and John because of the commotion in the temple. They had that authority. So they arrested him that night to, for this big trial the next day. And the next day, Peter and John stand before the the Jewish Supreme Court of the day and the high priest. And it would have been an intimidating thing. And it says uh, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this and catch Peter's answer. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's God empowering him. That's God is the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Spirit. Rulers and elders of the people. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was born, who was lame, meaning if our big crime is healing somebody and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. That was an old Old Testament passage. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by mankind by which we must be saved. It's an incredible little sermon. And, and the people, and, and they expect him to be so intimidated, be fumbling over, but he does this sermon. And even the high priest and all the, the Supreme Court, it says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love the words that are used through the story about Peter and John. It's words like amazed, wonder, astonished. 
Because those words would not have been used of the disciples before the resurrection. Nobody was amazed or astonished at the disciples. They were at Jesus. Uh, They were amazed and astonished and in wonder with him, but not the disciples. But now that the disciples are given the mission and filled with the Holy Spirit are now are not the sideshow, but they're the main attraction. They're the ones that God is using in this world to do his work. Well, that all changes. And, And the people could see the difference because these were ordinary people, unschooled people. But they weren't just any ordinary people. These were ordinary people, like the passage said, who had been with Jesus. And when ordinary people are with Jesus, they're not so ordinary anymore. In fact, they have the opportunity to live in the extraordinary, to live in the unimaginable. And that same opportunity has been passed down through the centuries from Christ follower to Christ follower, from generation to generation to generation, to where now is the opportunity for you and me to live into the more, to be used by God, to to have more transformation, more impact, more relationship with him and with in depth of relationship with others than than we can even imagine. The opportunity is right there for us. It's what Jesus came to bring us. And all of us have barely even tasted it. But it's a choice to either live into the more and to live into the new or shrink back from that. That makes me think about a a fun story that happened in in our life in 2012, already eight years ago. Alabama was starting the football season, which is really just the start of the football season, right? As Alabama, first Alabama game, at least for me as an Alabama fan. And they were doing it in the best of ways because they started their season that year playing Michigan at Cowboy Stadium right here in Dallas, which was awesome. They're supposed to do that again this year against USC. Don't know if that'll happen or not. But it was really cool because we had a a Chase Oaker who had a connection. Now, this Chase Oaker became the Chase Oaker of the year in 2012. So if you wonder how to become the Chase Oaker of the year, kind of perk up because that's what he did. So he had a connection at Cowboy Stadium to the owner's suite. He was, and so he called and he said, hey, would you like to, to watch the game from the owner's suite at Cowboy Stadium? I was like, yeah, I think so. And so he gave us the hookup. My parents flew in, my brother and part of his family, uh, we all you know, came. And it was so cool being at the owner's suite at Cowboy Stadium. For one thing, you know, they gave us this packet so that we could uh, go right under the stadium and park. We parked right by the, the team buses and all that stuff get out of our car so they can go park it for you. And there's all these people who surround you. And they gave us these black armbands, these black wristbands. And they said, hey, this lets everybody know in the stadium that you're in the owner's suite. And it can get you a lot of places. And, uh, and they showed us our elevator. We had our own elevator just for the owner's suite. So we go to our elevator. And, uh, and it has different floors. You don't just go up to the suite. and go to, from the bottom, you go to the field level. So we're like, well... Hey, why not try to go to the field? You know, I don't think we were really supposed to do that. But we had these black wristbands and we had another advantage. And that is our last name is Jones. And for those of you who don't know, you know, Jerry Jones and his family owns the Dallas Cowboys. So we thought, hey, let's use that. I mean, the black wristband can get us in places. I bet Jones could get us in places, too. So we started going out of the field. First letter of security. We're like, oh, yeah, we're we showed our black wristband. We're Joneses in the owner's suite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they escorted us a little further. And then another security thing. And, uh, oh, yes, we're Joneses. We're in the owner's suite. 
Oh, yeah, well, come on in. And then even once on the field, somebody approached me, a security guy, wondering who we were. I mean, the team was there. There were other dignitaries there, and then we're there. In fact, here's a picture of us on the field right now. It was such a great memory and such a great thing. And people would come up and, and you know, we'd say, oh, yeah, we're, we're Joneses in the owner's suite. Well, then as the game was beginning to start, we thought, boy, we better go up to our seats. And so we got on our elevator. We went up to the owner's suite. And, of course, the seats are awesome there. But beyond that, what we didn't realize is behind the seats is this huge buffet. So they had a pregame buffet a first-half buffet, and a second-half buffet. I bet I ate 20,000 calories in the pregame buffet, and I was, just getting, I was just getting started. It was awesome. And then we wandered around the stadium, other parts and places, and did all kinds of stuff. It was an amazing experience because we were Joneses with the wristband in the owner's suite. But we could have done it differently. It would have, in fact, it would have been way easier to have done it differently. We could have just gone and sat in our seats like everybody else. All the normal people that aren't Joneses with the black wristband. But I'm so glad we didn't. I'm so glad we we jumped into it for all of its worth. And it's that same choice, I believe, just in a much more profound way that you and I have, is that we can go back to our old normal. We can just shrink back to, you know, life without the new and without the more that Jesus came to bring us. Or we can... Jump into it for all of its worth. And that's what I want us to consider this Easter. Because that's what God makes available. In fact, it's way bigger than any of us can even imagine, even dream about. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, who was learning to live into the more and live into the new, tried to help us understand that in a a great little passage in Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians 3. And here's how he talks about the power of God that is at work in you and me. He says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's amazing what he says, because this is the power that is at work where? In us. What God wants to do in and through us and through his church. And, and he says that God is able. Now think about the passage a little bit. It says he is able to do what we ask. Actually, he says more than that. He's able to do all We ask. So think about what you would ask God for right now, even as in the pandemic, as we come out of this pandemic. Make your list. Ask as big as you can imagine, just as big as you want. Put it all out there. And God is able to do all of it. But that's not all it says. It says he's able to do all we ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine a lot. I bet you can, too. So dream big. I mean, go crazy. Do use the your most crazy imagination of what God might do in and through your life or in and through this world or whatever. Just put it all out there. And God's able to do all of it. But that's not what it says. It says he's able to do more than all we can ask or imagine. He's able to do more than that. In fact, he wants to. But not only that, he's able to do immeasurably more, meaning As much as you and I can stretch our imagination and what we might ask and what we might hope for, the difference between the the height of our imagination and God's power and God's ability is so great that you can't even measure it. 
that we don't even begin to stretch God's power and ability, no matter how much we imagine. And what Paul is saying, that is the power that's at work in you. What God, that, that God wants to do more through you and more in you than you can possibly imagine. It means that there is no problem that God can't solve. There's no crisis that he can't redeem. There's no dream that he can't realize. There's no vision that he can't see come to pass. There's no need that he can't meet. And you and I who know him have only begun to scratch the surface of what he wants to do in and through your life, in and through your relationships, in and through, uh, in, in and through our church, in, in, even in this pandemic. That's the power that is available. That's the more that Jesus came to bring. The resurrection is about how Jesus raised from the dead, but it's also about how he wants to raise us up to new life, to live into the new, to live into the more. And this Easter might be the best time we ever have in our lives to consider that invitation to live into the more, to open up our life to the new that God wants for us. Because right now in this pandemic, our hands have been emptied of so much. In fact, right now, put up your hands like this and just unless you're driving. Um, but if you're at home or something, just put up your hands and and think about it. Just look at the emptiness of them. I mean, I know our lives are full of a number of things and we're still busy in different ways, but so much of what used to fill our lives don't anymore. Running around and uh, going to eat with people and meet with people, or even going to church services or going to groups or going to work for most of us in our offices or chasing our kids around to different sports stuff and other activities. And, and like, remember when life was just so crazy busy. And now that it's been emptied of so much of what gave significance to our life and what filled up our hours and days are gone. And therefore, it's a really incredible opportunity before this pandemic lifts, and it will, before we just get busy doing the same stuff to say, you know, maybe, maybe I don't have to just go back to normal. Maybe I can ask God to help me fill up my life and fill up my hands with the more, with the new that he has. That's the opportunity that we have. Because what if, after all this, God has something way more than normal for us? What if he is up to something new? And I believe he is. So what do we do with that? Like, how do we step into that? Well, for some of you, it it really starts with beginning a relationship with God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it means that God who created you loves you and he knows he knows you. He wants you to know him. That's why he came into this world. Jesus is God. He took on human flesh. As I said earlier, he died on that cross Not for the heck of it. He he died on the cross to pay the penalty for sin that you and I incurred because God is a just God. He must punish sin, but he's loving. And so he took that sin. He took that punishment on himself. In in the Bible, in, in the Bible says that God raised him from the dead, showing that God was pleased with that sacrifice. And he offers forgiveness, a clean slate as a gift, the Bible says, to be received. And you can do that right now. In a little bit, we're going to pray. And you can say, God, I want your forgiveness in my life. But it's not only our forgiveness for sin that allows us to have a relationship with God. It's also about the newness of what God wants to bring to our life, how he wants to restore, how he wants to redeem us, how he wants to transform us and use us to transform this broken world. And that's what you say yes to when you say yes to following Jesus. And for those of us who have said yes to following Jesus, at some point in the past, it's an opportunity as we pray here in a moment to consider the more, to realize that I've only even barely begun to experience what God wants for me. 
the power, the transformation. He wants me to go from the ordinary to the extraordinary to the unimaginable. And to say, God, I don't want to just fill my life again indiscriminately. God, I want you to fill it with what matters, what you want for me. You know, right now, I think for a lot of us, our biggest fear is that life won't go back to normal. But maybe our biggest fear should be that it does. Because that would be a waste of what God wants for us. So join with me as we pray and consider the more that God came to bring us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your immense love for us that motivated you to not just leave us in our brokenness, but to move into our brokenness with your presence by sending Jesus, your son, into this world to become human, to connect with us that way, but then to give his life on the cross, to take the penalty for sin that was our penalty so that we could be forgiven. And then you raise him from the dead and he's very much alive. And, and so, Father, we ask, I ask right now for those who maybe have never taken that step to say yes to what you offer as a gift, forgiveness from sin, a relationship with you, and, and, and opening up their life to the newness that you want to bring into, into their lives. Father, I pray right now, you just help them to say, yes, God, I, I invite you into my life. I say yes to what you offer as a gift. Come into my life, begin to make me new, transform me, use me to transform this world. I want to follow you. If all of you just did that, that's the, the biggest decision you could ever make in your life. And as you've committed to God, God's committed to you. And now for those of us who have already taken that step, let's pray. And, and right now, I just invite you to pray yourself right where you are and just open up your, open up your life, surrender your life in a fresh way to all that God wants. And I'll pray a similar prayer on behalf of all of us. Father, now that our lives are so different and we just in some ways want to go back to normal. Father, I pray that you would help us not do that. I pray that you would fill up our lives with you, with your love, with your power, with your transformation, with your hope, with your purpose. That when as, as we move out of this into the new, Father, just Help us to live in the fullness much more of what you came to bring us. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, here's some good news. We all need good news right now, and that is the music part of the service isn't over. There's more to come, and especially this song that reminds us of this incredible truth that God is madly in love with you, and you and I are not on our own. Uh, Jesus came into this world uh, and, and he died and rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, but, he, but he's still with us now. He's still alive now and wants to be in it with us. And so right where you are, then let's join together and praise him and worship him for his love for us.